Hey, welcome back, friends, family, SFL Nation. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me on SFL Nights with AJ Stryker. I'm glad you decided to spend your Tuesday night with me. I'm really, really thankful for that. And I hope that you guys are really feeling this song, too. I found it by accident, just searching around. It surprised the heck out of me, you know, that how well Earth, Wind, and Fire, September, mixes with Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. It's nuts. But it's definitely different now, and I like it. Tonight's podcast includes SFL history. I'm going to be doing players of the past, or players that never really get mentioned, you know, that made great strides in the league, but just, you know, just get forgotten about. Um, I'm also going to be doing SFL Chat Around the Water Cooler, Teams of the League featuring the Baltimore Vultures, a short recap of Week 5, and Picks for Week 6, and of course my fourth and goal interview with Mr. BJ Loveless of the Houston Hyenas and Shan Varner of the Chicago Wildcats. I have a great show planned for you tonight, so let's get to it. See you in a bit with SFL History. Alright, so we have SFL history, and normally during this segment I talk about the history of the league itself, but I never really talk about the players that are gone but not forgotten. This league is filled with men and women that made an impact on the field, and every every week, but I wonder, who were the stars before us? Who should we strive to model our SFL careers after, past and present? Well, I do have a list of user player and non-user players that made a significant impact on the league. There are quite a few people on this list, so if I don't get to your position this week, they will be they will be read for next week. I have plenty of names to read off. All right, so first one I'm doing the quarterback. So quarterback be Rico Marconi, Joseph Redfeather, Mike Dazzo, Julian Tyree, Matt Wilson, Skelter P. Funk, Ron Cochran, Christian Christensen. Some notable running backs include Johnny English, Park Hiko, Dion Hawkins, Yay, Dion. David Overstreet, Pete Bershuti, Darnell Black, Richard Snowden, Ray Bentley, Jay Indola, Jay Calvin Kim, BDG Hollywood, Kyle Walsh, and fullback Julian Williams. And each team had their own set of superstars. For instance, Chicago Season 9 roster included quarterback E.T. King, Running back Dion Hawkins, wide receiver Alex Alex Z, uh, Zeliv. We have wide receiver Karen Watson, Kieran Watson, excuse me. Wide receiver Davis Reed, tight end Shan Bonner, outside linebacker Clint Hendershot, inside linebacker Espen Royale, cornerback Kanye Rockefeller. Cornerback Blake Hamrack, free safety Maurice Spurgeons, and strong safety AJ Barnes. Now, Dion Hawkins and Kanye Rockefeller are now the coach and GM for Tulsa Desperados, and, he and Espen Royale also plays for Tulsa as their inside linebacker. And I'm so glad to have these stars on my team and throughout the league. Special thanks to Cameron Irvine, Shan Varner. Christian Christensen, Ray Bentley, Ramos Lynn, and J.W. Dole for their input. Next up, SFL Chat Around the Water Cooler.
All right, so SFL chat around the water cooler. You know, losing a game is a tough thing to deal with. We all felt the sting of defeat at some point, but it's how you deal with those losses that can make or break us. Players tend to look individual look at individual performances, while coaches must check everything and everyone, which is a very difficult task in itself. They make sure adjustments are made, progressions are done, their own playbooks are up to date and turned in on time. It's a lot to manage, so I have a newfound respect for the coaches and GMs who get out there and make sure that their teams get what they need done. As a team leader or a member of the head office, you should always make an impact on on and off the field. And if you're going to talk the talk, make sure that you walk the walk, and that's for everybody. You can't be getting upset if somebody call you out on something that you said that you were going to do, guys, you know. Just get it done, you know. Let it roll off and keep it moving. Um, rookies. There are a lot of new rookies that are excited about joining the league. I've noticed the intense amount of white in the chat. All of the rookies conversating, trying to get their chat rankings down. And I totally understand that. I believe I finished um, 23, number 23, and I was the eighth pick of the draft. So I, I definitely understand how important that is, guys. But just a little tip. Quality over quantity, always. Make sure that what you're saying is important, not just spamming the chat or, you know, just trying to... You know, say little things just to get your chat ranking down because teams are not going to choose you because of that. They want to know what you're thinking. What's your football IQ? You know, how well would you fit in with their team? So it's just little points about that that you guys need to just, you know, keep in mind when you're out there. Um, But I do wish all of you the best of luck in your SFL careers. And remember, teams are always watching. Some SFL losses and gains and player staff openings. So, Baltimore released tight end Lee Weber and signed tight end Lord Graham Jr. Congratulations, Lloyd. And OKC released uh, cornerback Nello Barber and picked up Greg Gaines. Congratulations to you too, sir. Uh, the San Francisco Sharks are looking for a rookie with a chat ranking of 1 through 45 for a great opportunity on the horizon. DM Gabriel Manning or Olgan Zulu for more information. The Alaska Storm will be looking for, to fill a prominent spot on their roster. If you're interested, DM Mighty RX Storm to range for any other um, inquiries on that. MeUndies, you vote to fan night, game of the week. So far, it's looking like Las Vegas and New Orleans is running away with it with 60 votes. Las Vegas is 2-2 two and, two and New Orleans is three and two so this should be a really good game to watch second would be the rematch between alaska and baltimore that should be a fantastic game alaska now sits at three and one and baltimore is at two and two 20 votes for that one but next up we have a team of the league the baltimore vultures stay tuned All right, team of the leagues, Baltimore Vultures. All right, guys. I'm sorry. This is one of my good songs. I love this song. But um, so with Baltimore Vultures, we have them coming out of Baltimore, Maryland. Head coach as Thomas Pertinini, co-owner Tim Johnson. Co-owner and Cody Hill, social media coordinator. Last year, the Baltimore Vultures finished number one in the conference, number eight scoring defense, number ten scoring offense, number three in SFL uh, finish overall. Points allowed last year was twenty point six. Roster includes quarterback Mike Dazzo, seven years in the league. We have uh, T-Roy Gaines, T-Roy, two years in the league. Uh, wide receiver Daly Holder, uh, four seasons in the league. We got uh, wide receiver Bishop Warfield, rookie. Tight end Lloyd Graham, rookie. 
linebacker Amon takes two years in the league. Got Lodazzo in the league for seven, seven years, man. It's a long time. That's awesome. Cornerback, we got Kaz McFly with two years. Cornerback Hendrix Thornberry, two years in the league. Free safety Giovanni Belt, third season. Uh, the uh, strong safety Tonus Williams has been in the league for six seasons. And we have kicker Shark Tarkington in the league for two seasons as well. And defensive end Miles Jackson, my husband. Rookie. Fantastic. So excited. Now, have a little bit of all-time stats for you. Uh, quarterback Mike Dazzo has been in the league since season three. 19,266 yards, 132 passing touchdowns, 114 interceptions. Quarterback rating of 91.4. We got T-Roy Gaines. 343 carries, rushing yards. Uh, rushing yards is uh, 1,636. Got 14 rushing touchdowns. 130, I'm sorry, 103 receptions. Two fumbles, four touchdowns. Daily holder, 257 receptions. 3,921 yards. 22 touchdowns, zero fumbles. And he used to play for the San Antonio Vanqueros. Van uh, Bishop Wayford, Wayfar, well, excuse me, Warfield, 28 receptions, 456 yards, 4 touchdowns, 0 fumbles. Linebacker, Amon Takes, got 93 tackles, 30 assists, 1 interception, and 27 yards so far. Joe Dazzo. 414 tackles, 128 assists, 7 sacks, 1 half sack, 4 interceptions, and 46 yards. We have Giovanni Belt at 149 tackles, 41 assists, 13 interceptions, 194 yards, and 1 touchdown. We got Mr. Tony Willis, 353 tackles, 170, I'm sorry, <laughs> 107 assists, 1 sack, 26 interceptions, 423 yards, and 2 touchdowns. He played for the Alaska Storm and the Carolina Skyhawks. Hendrick Stormberry, 51 tackles, 15 assists, 6 interceptions. He got 50 yards and 1 touchdown. Kaz McFly. 41 tackles, 9 assists, 5 interceptions, 47 yards, and no touchdowns at the moment. We got Shark Tarkington. Field goal percentage of 89.29. Field goal attempts, 28. Field goals made, 25. Fantastic. A little bit of info for you. So, formerly known as the Baltimore Crabs, one of the best things that happened to the Baltimore Vultures team was the addition of Thomas Paternini as the head coach. Tim Johnson had a vision he felt was falling apart after losing the first three out of four games of the season last year. Once Thomas Paternini signed his name on that dotted line, the Vultures had an instant turnaround, winning the remaining games of the season of, of winning the remaining games for season 11 and making it to the first round of the playoffs, too. Unfortunately, their season ended to Mexico City, 33-27, and the Dream Team had to go back to the lab and make their adjustments for season 12. And boy, they did. They started season 12 by beating the top team in the SFL, the undefeated at the time, two-time championship winner, Alaska Storm, 23-10. They came out more intense and ready to play as I imagined they would be after that loss in the playoffs. They definitely made their adjustments. Currently, their record is 2-2. Two and two. Baltimore is a force to be reckoned with. When you see the vultures circling, watch out and look alive, people. Otherwise, you're going to be lunch. 
Don't fall for it. Next up, week five recap, scores, player of the game, was I right? Stay tuned. So we have our week five review. And I did kind of okay on was I right or not. I actually got five of these right and four wrong. My overall tally is 29 right and 20 wrong so far for the course of the season. So, you know, nine point difference. Maybe I need to start guessing a little bit better. But, you know, I always go with my heart on certain things. So. Um, first up, we have New Orleans and Vancouver. New Orleans won 17 to 10, and the player of the game was Logan Jack. 28 attempts, 106 yards, 49 reception yards. Tallahassee and Baltimore. I was actually wrong about this one. Um, Tallahassee won 38, Baltimore 27. A.J. Francis was the player of the game with 28 attempts, 226 yards, one touchdown, seven reception yards. Next up, we have the St. Louis and Denver. Denver won 34-3. I was wrong about this one. And Jared McChesney was the player of the game. 33 attempts, 198 yards, four touchdowns, and 19 reception yards. Mexico versus Carolina. Oh, Carolina, I'm so sorry. You have that big goose egg right there, honey. Mexico, 45, Carolina, 0. And I was right about this game. Um, Ray Bentley was the player of the game. 16 attempts, 58 yards, 4 touchdowns, and 32 reception yards. Queen City versus Atlanta. I was wrong about this. Um, Queen City wrong, won the game. 29, Atlanta, 21. Stephen Hacker was the player of the game with uh, 10 reception yards, 166 yards. I'm sorry, 10 receptions, excuse me, 166 yards, one touchdown, 16.6 yards per catch. San Francisco and Dallas, I got this wrong. Dallas won 45-21. Zach Salmon was the player of the game, 28 attempts, 188 yards. Got four touchdowns, 27 reception yards. Alaska versus Las Vegas. I was right about this one. Alaska won 43 to 10. Ron Cochran was the player of the game. 24 out of 30 completions. 248 yards, four touchdowns, a 140.7 quarterback rating. Houston versus Chicago. I was right about this one. I chose Chicago to win. Sorry, Houston. I mean, certain teams I'm going to go for, and it wasn't because I didn't like you guys or nothing. You know, I love you guys. But Chicago won 17-10, to 10, um, and J.C. Torres was the player of the game. Two reception yards, 126, I'm sorry, two receptions, 126 yards, one touchdown, 63.0 per catch. Okay, C and Indy, I was right about this game. Indy won 34-31. Player of the game was Mr. T.D. Drew. 40 completions out of 60. 479 yards. 3 touchdowns. 100.6 quarterback rating. Next up, we have my picks for Week 6. All right. Picks for week six. On Friday, February the 8th, I have Dallas at Tallahassee, 7 p.m. Um, I'm going to go with Tallahassee winning this game by three points. On Saturday, February the 9th, Houston versus OKC, 7 p.m. I have Houston winning by four points. On Sunday, February the 10th, I have Sioux Falls at Carolina uh, at 3 p.m. game. I picked Sioux Falls to win that one by seven. Indy, I have Indy at 
San Francisco at 3 p.m. I have Indy winning by three, but this is the Shark Tank, so I'm not sure, you know, if I'm going to be right about this one or not. Atlanta versus Tulsa, 3 p.m. Of course, I have Tulsa winning, but by three, you know, I'm not going to beat you too bad, guys. You are my home team, so. Um, Chicago and at London at 3 p.m. I got Chicago winning by seven. February the 11th, we have Alaska versus Baltimore at 7 p.m. And I have Alaska winning by three. Baltimore, please don't get mad at me. TJ, don't, don't, don't get mad at me. You know, it's just an educated guess. You know, I could be wrong. You know, so just prove me wrong. Um, Las Vegas and New Orleans. I have you at 7 p.m. And I have New Orleans winning this one by a small margin of two or by safety. Um, Mexico City and St. Louis, 7 p.m. I have Mexico winning by seven points. Five weeks, uh, Queen City, Vancouver, and Denver are taking a break right now. Good luck to everyone, and may the best team win. Next up, I have my fourth and goal interview with Shan Varner of the Chicago Wildcats and BJ Loveless of the Houston Hyenas. Stay tuned. And welcome back to our fourth and goal interview. Tonight's guests are Shan Vonner and BJ Loveless. How you doing tonight, guys? I'm doing great, Ashley. Thank you. Hey, Jax, what's up? I'm doing good. Good, 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 good. Thank you guys for taking time out to be with me tonight. Um, first question is going to be for Shan. Who are you and what do you do for the SFL? Well, my name is Shannon Warner. I'm the uh, owner of the Chicago Wildcats. I uh, have a hand in pretty much everything SFL related. I do stats. I, I broadcast uh, with my uh, team partner, um, uh, Rich Pratchett. And, um, and yeah. All right, beautiful. And BJ, who are you and what do you do for the SFL? I'm Brian Loveless, uh, also known as BJ Loveless, middle linebacker, and GM for the Houston Hockeyers. Um, outside of SFL, I'm just a kid from Chicago. Audio engineer for the last three years or so. Um, broadcasting, communications, radio, television, whatever you can come across. I've, I've pretty much dabbled in it all. All right, beautiful, beautiful, good to know. All right, and BJ, so how has the it, the SFL impacted your life? Well, coming in from the SFL in all season and being drafted, um, it was basically a pick me up. Um, it was short. I found a week shortly after my father passed, and it, it, it kind of you know. Got me, got me up in spirits and becoming a part of this family, this big circle of guys and girls. And I mean, it became like a second family to me, you know. And it's just amazing how these people just stick together. And it, you know, it's just a great uh, atmosphere for sure. Wonderful. And Shan, how is it? That's a follow Becky. I would have to say uh, the SFL has impacted me. Um, just, just the camaraderie between everybody in the SFL. You know, we had um, last season we had our first annual uh, convention in, in Dallas, Texas, and that was just an amazing event put on by Cameron Irvine. Um, just to meet all those guys that you play against and strategize against. It's just surreal when you get to meet those guys and actually, um, you know, see what they do for a living or, you know, see how uh, the SFL has impacted their life as well. So uh, just a great uh, community, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. So am I. Um, have you played football before or any type of sport, Shan? Yes, I played uh, uh, basketball. I, I pretty much played basketball 
baseball and football. Football was more of my passion. Uh, I liked to, and I played running back, so I, I like to, to get in there and get hit. And uh, that's one of the things that I love about being an offensive coordinator because I already have some experience uh, with offensive, uh, of, uh, offensive play calling. Fantastic. And VJ? Well, yeah, I play, I've dabbled in a handful of football, baseball, wrestled since I was a kid all the way through high school. Um, football, I definitely had a dream of the NFL, so I realized at 17, 18 years old that Brian wasn't getting taller than 5'6". So uh, I played running back in high school until I snapped my ankle. And then um, I came back a year later and played defensive end. Um, I'm still just as shifty and useful, but never regained that same speed as running back. Um, football was my dream, but I got further in baseball than a lot of people get a chance to. I played D1 college baseball for two years until I decided to come on home. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Fantastic. Um, Shan, describe a game loss that was a heartbreaker for you and that you learned something valuable from. Just one game. Um, I would have to say uh, coming in the league in season six, probably my most hurtful game. Um, I guess, you know, looking back on it, uh, would have to be either the championship game or my first game, um, maybe possibly going into the playoffs against Tallahassee season six. Um, we had um, we had come down to the wire. It was either Tallahassee was going to move ahead and get to the playoffs, or uh, Carolina was going to go and uh, uh, and make the playoffs. So, unfortunately, what I learned from that lesson was. Um, you have to make changes to the playbook. We didn't make changes that week because uh, we had beat them previously in the season. And so uh, we said, you know, us being new coaches, me and uh, uh, Andy Hamilton and James Klein, being relatively new to the league and uh, not knowing the game um, aspects of it. Not the football part of it, not the, not the play calling, but uh, just the, the way the AI works and, and things like that. So, you know, you beat the team, you know, two or three weeks ago. And you're like, well, I, you know, I beat that team, so I don't have to make changes to my playbook, you know. Right. And ultimately, they beat us like 40 to 3. So, oh. um, oh. so uh, I learned a valuable lesson of you have to make changes each week and you have to scheme each week for your opponent because each week they're, they're going to make their changes and they're going to be a different team and, uh, you know, things like that. Season 9 uh, with the Chicago Wildcats, my, um, my first team, uh, my first year coaching that team, um, I think uh, I learned a valuable lesson of, you know, we need, need to do what we do and not um, and, and not do things that uh, is ultimately, like, for instance, if, if we're a passing team and then we go to an opponent, opponent and we start running the ball, then that's not the way Chicago played all year. Chicago played passing the ball. So then when you change your game plan and try to run the ball and then you get shut down, then it's like, man, why did I do this? So there's several valuable lessons I learned, but those are the two main lessons I learned. Just play my type of football and um, and you got to make changes each week. Gotcha. And BJ, what was a heartbreaker for you, man? Well, this being my second season as a player in the league, of course, last year being my lucky season, uh, the biggest heartbreaker with last season, the season 11 semifinal against Alaska. Um, uh, Houston doesn't have the biggest fortunes recently against, I mean, in league history against the Alaska Storm, and we drive all the way down the field and come one batting ball away from going to the championship game. And it, it was a heartbreaker. We don't speak of this game in my locker room at all. Um, but it was an eye-opener. I mean, we were that close, you know. And it was just, I mean, for a rookie, 
it may not be as hard on a rookie as it would have been on a guy like Shane to what I say what five into being in the league and coming one game away from one play away from the championship. It's like uh or a guy like Eddie Gage who's been in the league for ten, eleven years and it's like uh one play. Yeah. You know, and it's so I mean, hopefully I get the where that one play goes my way, but that definitely was the heartbreaker I would say. So far in my young SFL tenure. Mm. Yeah, man, those sound hell. That breaks my heart listening to those. So I, I mean, I can only imagine what your locker room felt, the whole team, you know. But new year, new season. Um. So how in in you know kind of segue into that? How have you both grown in your leadership positions because of this? Um. I'll start with you first, BJ. Uh, becoming a GM and following up behind Ryan Michaels, who was who is the former GM of the year and the former GM of the year. Uh, it's big shoes to feel. And, um, coming in and, and just really learning the role and learning that it's, it's way more responsibility than just putting names down on paper, realizing you got a lot of work uh, getting guys to fit the bills you want to put on the field guys who are reliable getting guys who really want to play the position guys who want, who want to spend multiple years growing and building the team with you or determining if they're just a stat case and looking for highlights that's the glory pretty much other than playing paintball this this a lot it's growing to have way more patience than I had coming to tennis because three four five six hours spending general contracts determining value where you know put people it's it's definitely it's definitely a test to your patience and the love also the love you have for this this league for sure Beautifully stated. And Shan? Um, how have I grown? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the biggest thing that I have learned from uh, my mistake um, would have to be from James Klein. Um, James has uh, the utmost uh, patience with someone. You know, I used to get really, really frustrated about, you know, losing a game and he would come in and, and rally the troops up and be like, look, you know, can't, you know, really worry about this game here that you just lost. Um, if you get, like, discombobulated, you know, if you get frustrated or, or anything like that, it, it, you can't move on to the next game. So, initially, if you lose one game, you can lose two or three after that. If your head is not in it, then you could you know, have you know, a start of a bad season. Um, so you've got to take that loss, and even though it hurt, you've got to put it behind you, and you've got to keep moving forward. And um, learning that from him, because he's a real-life football coach, mm-hmm. learning that from him and taking that, because I've never coordinated, you know, in real life, so um, taking that advice from him and keep moving forward and... Um, and pushing through, I think that's really what helps me with um, my leadership roles and my uh, ways to get people motivated and things like that in our locker room. Uh, the next thing I would probably have to say is communication. Um, people want, probably would like to know, you know, how is Chicago getting these guys back every year? It's, it's the simple thing of communication. Um, if you're realistic, if you're um, if you're honest with your team. And if you say, <clears throat> oh, man, we're going to go to the championship this year. Who knows who's going to the championship this year? You know, you can't give false hope to a, a, a team full of guys with different personalities, different backgrounds, and things like that. So we play one game at a time. We get through with that week. We go on to the next week. I don't, I, right now, I don't even know who's on my schedule the next two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I just know that we're playing Houston on Monday 
and our next game is going to be against London. At London. That's all I know. I, I don't, you know, who I'm playing week 10, 11, 12, and I don't care. I take one game at a time, and I like, and, and some of the guys in the locker room were like, hey, we won two games, we're going to make the playoffs. Really? <laughs> you know people progress, right? And they get better, <laughs> and coaches get better, and things happen. So a team that starts off 2-0, and they end up being 3-9. <laughs> right. You know? So, uh, like I said, we just take one game at a time, and uh, I think that's how I've grown uh, in this league and in this game. Um, I keep in a, a realistic point of view. Okay. And the pick back off of what Shan said, mm-hmm. uh, the big thing about getting to be a leader and, and falling into the leadership role, you definitely have to get guys to buy in. <laughs> and like, uh, you, you can't Believe preach false hope. Definitely. And you know, it's 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 and it's trying. Surprisingly, it's really hard to to get guys to believe and to believe. Some believe, some don't. You know, um, and yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's, it's, a, it's a lot, and you definitely have to take it a week at a time. I don't buy into thinking about three, four, five weeks down the line. Definitely game. This is the game to game because game, games, game plans every week. A team that, and simple as that, especially with the super conference. When we were split the three conferences, it was the crapshoot. You know, uh, Lionel said crapshoot. You had the teams that were on top, you had the guys that were on bottom. You know, and it was a dog fight for maybe the last two spots in the playoffs. You know, and I, I'm sure Shane can agree to that. Uh, but with now with the super conference, the super conference especially a team that started out three and zero, three and one, you know, early on can let that get to the can't let that get to the head. Turn around three and nine, yeah. quick, and and out the playoffs. Uh, you you got to definitely take it a day at a time. You got to get your guys to realize that too. Great point, gentlemen. I, I totally agree with both of you on that. Um, on a little lighter note, what should the next three teams, the next three expansion teams of the SFL, what should their names be and their logos, if you have an idea? Hello? Um, I'll say... I'll say Detroit is definitely okay. one that's on my list. Um, something, something simple, something that you know, something that something simple for Detroit. Detroit is uh, a tough town, the, the Motor City. You can go, you can go that route. Or you can go something totally different. Uh, you can go like the Detroit Shockers, the reminisce off the Detroit, old Detroit Shock, or something, something like that. Uh, or another place I would love to see how the team would be like Portland or even international. If I was to give international wise, I'd probably say Montreal. They lost the baseball team seven years ago, and that's that's a relatively strong sports town. They love hard, so time a team in Montreal and SFL would be pretty cool. Beautiful, Shane. What you thinking? Um, you know. I, I'm, I live in Alabama, and um, mm-hmm. I coach a team, and I own a team that's in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chicago's a beautiful city. Um, but if I had to um, to choose outside of the realm, I, I would like to be a, a, a professional team in Alabama. Um, maybe the Alabama Hammers or something like that. Nice. Um, and then maybe football country. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, and the reason why I didn't choose a team in Alabama is because I just felt like the East was so uh, just so crowded. Yes. You know, it, it, you have a lot of teams over in the side, so trying to branch out up north, maybe over to the west a little bit more. So I would like to see a team maybe, I don't know, in Utah or Arizona or somewhere out west, you know, would be a little bit more reasonable. Um 
uh, you know, maybe have a team back in Minnesota. Um, you know, something like that. So, uh, if you were looking, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, if you're looking outside the realm, maybe like you said, Montreal, I would probably like to see a team in Japan. Um, maybe, maybe the Tokyo Samurais or something like that. Yeah, I like but, it. Uh, you know, just take it international. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's awesome. You know, we can have a team in Brazil, you know, called the, the Rio oh. Grandes or something. I don't know. We could just... You that, know, would be, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> I also thought about me being from Chicago and, and Chicago doing the whole two baseball team thing. What would it be like to have two football teams in Chicago? It's already crazy with the baseball dynamic, but... Two SFL franchises in Chicago, and those teams just battling it out for you know fan supremacy and all that. Mess. But it, I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. A little stressful, Shane, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that'd be a true rivalry to say the least. But Shane, I do like your idea about having one. I think you should do something for Alabama, or somebody should do an expansion team for Alabama right. because I mean, besides, what, I mean, what do you guys have to root for? There is no. There are no professional teams there. There's nothing, you know, not too much for you guys to you get know, behind except with college ball. Well, you know, uh, back in, I believe, the 80s, maybe late 80s or something like that, mm-hmm. there were the Alabama um, Stallions. Really? Um, whenever the, yeah, whenever the, um, I believe whenever the NFL took a break or something like that, they were, they were, um, they were just protesting or something of that nature. I can't remember now. I was young, and um, Alabama had gotten a team. It was like a kind of a, a, a pro team, but um, it just had the you know different players who maybe you know didn't make it to the professional NFL league. Um, was just doing a, another league, and uh, I can't remember what all it was about. I hate to bring it up, and I can't remember nothing about it. But no, uh, I remember. I do remember they were the Stallions, and their colors kind of looked like San Francisco 49ers. They were like red, and <laughs> and uh, you have to look it up. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was the Birmingham. I do know, Stallions, you know that with uh, the AAF, Alliance of American Football, that uh, they are bringing the Birmingham Iron to Bama, so. Really? Okay. Yeah. It actually starts right after the Super Bowl, too. Right on time. Oh, I'll have to watch out for that. See, we learn something yeah. new every day. I love it. All right. And so, guys, I only have one more question for the both of you. And what are your goals for the next five years in life and in the SFL? And I'll start with you first, Shan. Huh, expectations in life. Um, you know, my kids are getting old enough to go to college now, so beautiful. <laughs> It'll be fitting the bill for that. Um, oh yeah. So uh, in five years, um, I'll look at myself moving up a little bit in my company. Um, you know, just uh, working ins and odds. You know, trying to get to that next level. Um, you know, well related. I'd like to have a, a championship or two. You know, hopefully. Um, yeah, but but most of most of all, just with SFL, just putting a good product out each and every season and uh, making this league. Uh, you know, Cam does a lot for this league, and what better way to honor him and to uh, let what he sees his vision to uh, come to light is having a great team uh, like Chicago. Just you know, putting in good. Uh, work each and every week and um, you know try not to, try not to be an embarrassment to him you know because you know not saying that any other team are uh, just saying that from us from Chicago we want to do absolutely everything to to not blemish something that he's done mm-hmm. you know he, he wants to have a great league he wants to have a great uh, product so if I feel like if Chicago wins if we do a great uh, you know we make him proud all right, beautiful. And BJ, what are your goals for the next five years, SFL related and life related? Next five years, I'll say what twenty twenty four. Um, 
Right now, I would love to further my communication skills and get more content out to people and, you know, branch out, do more, you know, uh, voiceovers and create, just create all around more content and grow. Um, probably start a family. Um, SFL wise, grow, um, possibly become an owner. Uh, that's my ultimate goal. Um, teach more in SFL, get guys more accustomed to the GM roles and teaching guys about value progression, uh, team builds, player builds, and getting guys more informed about how the system works. There's guys coming in, probably drawing now with all the front page games and SFL boxes and things of that nature where guys are coming in by the draws so five, 25, 50. 75 guys at a time and the league is growing so you're going to need more guys to fill roles as guys move to other positions in the league when I've got to step up to front office with SSL not guys that reach their roles go to other places or start their own franchises the league is growing 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 I would want more guys coming in that most of the least the role I have so far and it's, it's pretty simple, but it's simple to learn, but it's hard to master, you know, mm-hmm. getting, getting um, the, the right guys and the right formula to build the team that you want to build. So that's, that's what I pretty much see my next five years in SFL being, other than adding more possible content creation to the league. Uh, maybe uh, SFL post game, uh, interviewing players after a stellar game, something like that. You know, for five, maybe ten minutes. There's more content to further the, the monster that is becoming the SFL. Okay. Yeah, I, I I would have to agree with BJ on that. Mm-hmm. Um, education in this league is, is crucial to me. You know, I feel like. Um, I've had some good guys come in to coach. You know, Deion Hawkins has come in and he's coached for me. Uh, Ethan King, who, uh, you know, he used to be the uh, quarterback for Tallahassee in uh, seven and season seven and season eight, and then came over to with me in Chicago because he wanted to have a, a more of a role, you know, coaching wise, and he wanted to coach the defense since he played, um, you know, strong safety in real life. Um, so when he came over as my quarterback, he immediately wanted to come in and jump in on the defense and uh, get to know and understand this game. So um, sharing the love like that, having having people come in wanting to learn, and you sit down, you take the time, you teach them, you know, and they become great coaches. I mean, look at uh, Deion Hawkins right now with with the Tulsa Desperados. I mean, he's doing a fantastic job over there. I'm super proud of him. Um, and, I, and I'm hoping that James Klein is, you know, he, he a lot of times talks about uh, Andy and I coming in and, and coaching for him. And then when we left, you know, we had great teams, both Vancouver Legion and Chicago Wildcats. So uh, I think it's very important uh, going off of what BJ said about teaching and getting these people to uh, interact with, uh, with each other and learn something. And, um, you know, I think that's crucial for every area. Like you said, uh, you know, learning the GM role, you know, that's crucial. So um, it, it only takes a little bit of time, a little bit of phone call and, and teach people how to do this. Because the, because the guys that are coming in now, these new guys, we're getting, like you said, 50 to 70 some uh, people every other day. And, you know, all they see is two teams on the field. They have no, no idea what it takes to win. No idea what it takes to strategize. All they're saying is, well, other computer games playing each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not the case. Now, there's a lot of hard work that goes into this. You have minimum amount of plays on offense, minimum amount of plays on defense, and you're playing against a guy who has been in the league for, you know, six, seven seasons, mm-hmm. 10 seasons, like for Eddie Gage. So, <laughs> you know, he has 10 seasons on you. That's ultimately like five years. He has five years on you, you know. Yes, good <laughs> Coaching, so <laughs> so you, you have to get out here and you have to um, you grind out. And, you know, I think it'd be a huge uh, 
um, accomplishment to have people come in and, and learn something from these coaches. Hey, you know, I just realized that uh, I have a little bit of time left. I was wondering if you had a, a quick minute to answer one more question for me, both of you. Sure, <laughs> We might get in trouble with this one. Okay, so uh, what teams manage to get under your skin, or if not necessarily get under your skin, one that you really look forward to playing in the sense that you kind of measure your season by whether you beat them or not, or whether you're, you know, you've progressed at, or not. And I'll start with you first, Shane, on that one. Um, I guess I would have to say, um, just going, I mean, I don't want to sell my team short, so I, I would probably say, you know, Chicago. All, and the only reason for that is because we're not worried about the next team. Right. There are teams out there that are difficult to play. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, if I tell myself, oh my gosh, you know, I can't beat Alaska or I can't beat Tallahassee or some of these other great franchises out there. If I tell myself I can't do it, then I'm probably not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one that I'm, you know, don't play this year, um, Baltimore. I've always had a hard time uh, facing TJ. He, he's just a very, <clears throat> a very good coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I always see myself grinding harder to try to beat him. And if I had another one to choose, it would probably be Ramos. Um, Ramos Land, the owner of uh, Mexico City Aztecs, is just a phenomenal defensive coach. Um, it's very hard to strategize against him because he knows so much. Um, I really look up to these guys. You know, it's, that's hard to say, but since these guys have been there, they're like the forefathers of the SFL. So when you're coming in, you're looking at these guys like, oh, no, I don't want to face this guy because they're so good, you know. But in all retrospect, if you, if you take that element out and you just game plan to what they have on the field, uh, statistic-wise or game planning-wise, and you just try to combat that um, and don't worry about who it is. You just look at this team, you look at the stats, and you see what you have to do offensively, defensively. Um I think that the biggest uh, opponent is yourself. If you psych yourself out, I think you don't have a chance. I think you go in with a great game plan each week and, and see what happens. So, to answer to your question, I really don't try not to really fear for anybody. And I just want, I just want to make sure that Chicago does what we need to do to win. Um, and that's what I try to um, just put on the field each and every week. All right, I feel you on that. And BJ. As far as get under my skin, I don't let teams get under my skin. Yeah, there's, there's guys that are tough game plans sometimes. Right. You get that with, with the elite. Or the guys that are, you know, pull something out of the hat that's getting spent. But, I mean, nobody really gets under my skin. Now, I do have a, a checklist of teams that B.J. Lumpless owes uh, uh, L to, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. It stems back from season 11 with draft. Uh, you know, uh, I was top 15 value linebacker. Uh, a little bit of, some of us on, a little on me. Uh, as I tell with every incoming rookie that's taking me serious, and they want to declare for the draft or whatever in the offseason. I always tell them, communicate, 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 because at the end of the day, 90% of these owners aren't taking a guy they know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Even if you say, hi, hello, my name is I came in not getting to do that. Me thinking, Hey, I can't go in short three or four progressions. I'm going back in this draft. Whatever. I got my cat ranking up. And so it's such a thing because what are you aiming for, you know, back in playoff team, 
you know, I would, I would talk to a select few. So draft night comes, and the first round goes, those guys pass them. Damn. I'm not going to name my name. I can get one out of them. Uh, and I flip to the second round. Everybody just said, oh my God, you were so active and you're falling, you're falling. I feel bad for you. I was cool, calm, collected. You know, I was fine. And then, shout out to Demond Simeon, Ryan Michaels, a.k.a. Ryan Kopinski, and my quarterback, Kit Tim's John. The owner, after he was drafted in the first round, he tells Demar, hey, he's a really good guy, really active in chat, and we draft him. I had, up to the draft, I had communicated with Ryan and Demar zero. Zero. They took, they, they went out, took a man, you know, hey, here you go. And I, and I think I reciprocated a little bit of that, maybe now in my GMO drafting, Ever does. Yeah. And ever had the top ones. Up until I think Bird Showcase. First time communicating with Ever Hey kids, I got my own. You're acting. And, and it seemed like a guy that's for you. And I said, hey, took him as a cornerback spot. And now until this moment, he's going to guess it all in But um, yeah, I got a couple of things that passed from me that is on my list. <laughs> but my question is do they know that they're on this list of yours <laughs> they might not know <laughs> it's just as Chad Johnson used to say back in the day it's that kiss the baby bliss uh, somebody gonna kiss the baby stick as hell <laughs> come on man you tease us and then you just leave us out to try <laughs> um well, uh, well, I'll throw one out there. One team that I communicated with early on that I was a fan of, and they wanted me to play the first position. And I've come friends with guy, with one of the guys. Actually, the guy that was drafted, what I expected to know, Jeff Melvin, in London, <laughs> he was drafted in the spot I expected to be drafted. Maybe I'm sort of selfish. I'm happy in London doing his thing. I expected to go there. That was one of my spots. And I feel like I owe my dinner in hell. <laughs> they're up there on the list. Well, I give it to them. I don't know. We play right this it's, it's a game of games. And, you know, they, they're just on the list. <laughs> hey. Well, I, I do have to add to that, BJ. Mm-hmm. Um, as an owner, you know, um, I, I don't really go out and look for players uh, personally I um, you know that's pretty much like my GM my, my GM's job but I will tell you that I don't just think just anybody out you know uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take an interview from someone uh, they want to join the team uh, I'll ask them uh, you know a couple of questions but the main thing that sticks out to me and uh, this is how I got my uh, new GM Jesse Vick you know, he was ranked like 37th, okay? And um, he, he was going to go in the 5th, 8th, 12th round, probably. <laughs> you know, if we had enough beef. But what really, you know, turned it around for me with Jesse is that all the other people that had contacted me or wanted to come play for Chicago, mm-hmm. the first thing they always said to me was, hey, uh, my name is such and such. Uh, I need to know, you know, what I need to be at, what I need to do to be a star on this team. Uh, I want to be like silver, 180 something, you know, gold for abilities on me, for, you know, animation. I was like, man, I can't afford that. You know what I mean? You're coming in with all this stuff. But when I talked to Jesse for the very first time, he didn't say, hey, you know, what can y'all do for me? It was what, can I do for Chicago? What can I do to help Chicago win these games? What can I do to make sure that everybody needs what they need? Mm-hmm. And that's what sold me. They didn't, mm-hmm. He didn't care about himself. He cared about the team first. Because in an in a era of um, progression, 
Yeah. You can get anybody at any tier as long as you sign them at a certain amount, right? Jesse signs fifth overall in the first round as a copper player, a base copper player. And now he's bronze, and he's probably one of the most underrated corners in the league, to be honest. I mean, he's not catching interceptions. He's not making a bunch of tackles. But he's batting the ball down in certain situations. If it's third down of six, he's making a play on the ball. That's all I need him to do. I need to, excuse me. All I need him to do is to come in each week, progress like he's supposed to. And this is week four. This will be week five of progression. And none of my guys have missed progression. Because we have a system and we trust one another to complete that system. They know that if they miss progression, it hurts them. It hurts the team. So if you want to lose games, then don't progress. If your player wants to be trash, don't progress. And once your once your guys figure that out, you'll have a successful team all the way around. Yep. Well, that's one hundred percent the truth. Beautiful words of wisdom from you guys, and I hope you know people are listening and taking heed to what you're saying because that's some really important information, you know. Um, but thank you guys for coming. This is the end of the interview where I give you the last word. So I'm going to start off with BJ first. And basically you can just say whatever you want. It could be, um, a poem. It could be a song. Um, it could be, (laughs) it could be a shout out, you know, whatever you want to do. This is your time. So you got the floor, BJ. Uh, Well, I gotta shout out my, my owners. I got like a week clearly multiple hours ago. Uh Devon Simeon D R Shell the Hall of Fame. Gotta give you some love, man. It's all love man. I really enjoy like two almost two years with you. Two two seasons with you, correct me. And, and we've put in some major hours in the lab. She goes doing two scoops and games, man. Dude, you know, defense came as a monster, baby. You brought so much to the team. Cam, I, man, give my man two scoop any games in the Hall of Fame with a video. He did it all too long. He used to be in the Hall of Fame. Or, uh, King Tiz, um, my boy, my quarterback. <laughs> I know you're going through a rough patch right now, bro. Love you. Uh, Cam, Andy. Uh, all the broadcast, everybody make SFL, bro, has made this baby into a big ball monster that it is, and it keeps continuing to make it grow. I love you, and it's, it's an amazing product. Thank you for giving us all the opportunity for show. And Houston, you hear me, baby? Monday, Kyle's going to be coming, sir, and I know you, I know you game plan, I know you're falling down. <laughs> Don't be a game, baby. I'm coming. You got to turn this season around for sure. All right. I love it. I love it. Uh-oh. Well, you you better bring all 12 of you because you're going to need it. Oh. uh, Because Chicago's coming with the pain. We're going to put Clint Hendershot, Dylan Rowland, two of the veteran uh, linebackers up in the mix. Murray ain't going nowhere. Okay. You better hope you can throw the ball down the field, Bob and Dave. If you do that, AJ Barnes, uh, Maurice Spurgeon's back there. You know, we, we coming. But uh, shout out to all my guys on my team. You know, uh, E.T. King, Jared Willis, uh, uh, J.C. Torres, Julio, uh, you know, Buchanan Simons, uh, Corey Carter, defense. We've got Blake Hamrick. We got Jesse Big, Clint Hendershot. We got uh, Dylan Rowland, Maurice Spurgeon, and the veteran AJ Barnes. Uh, we, we we all in here, man. We we coming from Chicago. Chicago knows how to play some ball around here, and we coming. <laughs> I love it. See you Monday, dog. <laughs> fantastic gentlemen well thank you so much for your time and i'm looking forward to watching you guys play monday i'm on a bye week so i'm just sitting back and relaxing in my ice bath right now because i did take a few sacks um (laughs) so i'm still trying to recuperate (laughs) 
but um yeah anyway thank you so much you guys are definitely invited to come back again soon and um i'll see y'all out there in the field yes ma'am i appreciate it miss jackson thank you so much all right you're very hey, well jackson thanks uh, uh, thank you for bringing me on Houston, how about you me, baby? i'm not <laughs> all right guys talk to y'all later bye all right all right thanks everyone so much for coming out and hanging out with me tonight I had fun doing this podcast. I had fun with Shan Varner and BJ Loveless um, during the interviews. It's always a great time. So, you know, I'm grateful that you guys take time out of your schedule to come and listen to me every week. It means a lot. And um, I hope that you had a great time and found this podcast entertaining and informative. Next week, I'll be back with these same great segments. And another great interview with two more fantastic guests. Always, always have a beautiful night. And I'm looking forward to coming back next week. And also, if you have any messages that you want to send to me, like on the podcast, if you want your message to be featured on the podcast, go through the Anchor app and just leave a message for me. If I like it, you'll hear it in the weeks to come. Y'all have a great night. Striker out.